So God, I just want to thank you uh, that you that you knit our hearts together from different nations around the world, that we can live in different countries and different places, yet be united by the same gospel, by the same story, by the same purpose. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, and I pray that you'll use uh, Bill this afternoon um, to do something in our hearts, and may your will be done as he speaks. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, Urban Life. For the third time today. This is an interesting model. I mean, I do go around to a lot of churches around the world. This is very interesting. I like what you're doing. Three different, really different cultures almost. I mean, very similar, lots of overhead, overlaps, three different pastors. And you're the best, right? I'm, I'm just repeating what I've been told. So... <laughs> Thank you. I'm done. No. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, okay, so um, I, I, I came here to talk about how to forgive. And so let me, let me ask for your... Uh, let me apologize. Because we've messed this up. We have totally screwed this up for generations. I'm serious. I am, we've messed it up. We've made it impossible for you to forgive. We're going to clear that up today. We're going to begin to clear that up. We're not going to do it just this morning. We'll be introducing some other things for your small groups or, or one-on-one, one-on-two to begin to take that even further. But look, hear me. There's nothing more core to the gospel than forgiving. And I'm not talking about forgiveness as much as forgiving. God forgiving me for all of my crimes, all of my failures, all of my doubts, all of my lack of faith. And I'm counting on him being really good at it. But I'm not counting on you being very good at it. Because you're not. I teach on this. I write on this. This was my doctoral uh, dissertation. I'm terrible at it. Let me read the passage, which is the go-to passage on forgiving. And you're familiar with it. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this. And we got it wrong. Matthew 18, 21 to 35, I call the parable the magnanimous king and the boneheaded servant. Here it is, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? You got to love Peter, right? I mean, he's, he's doing his best. Up to seven times? Woo, Peter. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. You know, thanks, Jesus. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a ridiculous amount. A hundred billion trillion rand or dollars. Pick, pick a number. You could buy 10 buildings. 20 buildings for that. It's just outlandish, right? That's the idea. Huge debt. Uh, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. In an honor-shame culture like in Jesus' day, this is the greatest shaming that you can possibly do to somebody is to treat them like an object and sell them, right? It's shaming. 
in an honor-shame culture. The only greater shaming is you commit them over to torture. Just wait. But when that servant went up, uh, sorry, at this the servant fell on his knees and said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. That's pocket change. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Really, this is ridiculous. It's over the top. It's reactionary. It's absurd. It's laughable. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In an honor-shame culture, you pay it forward. You just do. You should have. He should have. Everybody knows. Everybody who heard Jesus say it. But yeah, that guy should have. What's wrong with this guy? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. An increased shaming, the worst of shame. This is how my heavenly father, Jesus says, oh, oh. this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. From the heart is a phrase which basically means you really want to. Not that you have to or choose to, you actually want to. So when somebody beats you up, bullies you, robs you, mistreats you, criticizes you, judges you, takes something from you, fires you wrongly, holds you down, treats you like you're some kind of subclass person, Jesus seems to say, you're supposed to go, oh, I just, I just forgive you. Well, I got to tell you, I don't. I just, I just, I just don't. You know, Jesus says you know, you should, we should do it 70 times, 7 times. In the Greek, it could be 77 or it's 490. It doesn't matter. I'm not doing it 490 times. I'm not doing it 77 times. I'm not doing it three times. I don't, I'm not doing it once. But what we've told you, the moral of this, the parable of the moral of this parable is, no, 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 you have a choice, Christian. Unless you want to disappoint God. You don't want to disappoint God, Right? is you need to choose to forgive like the magnanimous king and not like the, un, the, the, un, the unfaithful servant. That's what we've told you. We've laid a guilt trip on you. And as a result, we've had generations of shamed Christians because you know you're not doing it. And every time Gareth gets up and says, hey, well... Matthew 18 says, you're supposed to forgive. You know what happens when you shame a shamed person? You have an angry shamed person. You know what you get when you order a shamed angry person to do something? It ain't pretty. Because they can't. They won't. And that's what we've been doing. And I apologize. We've been telling you what the Bible says is you're supposed to go and do that. 
You can't. You won't. Well, you should, but we won't. Paul says in Romans 8.22, all creation groans, and that includes our relationships. I'm 62. I have layer and layer and layer and layer of being beat up and bullied and people mistreating me, and, and it's just piled up. Emotions are piled up. Brain scientists will tell you we, we store in our hippocampus the event and emotion. And if you do that 50 times, somebody pokes it again, bam! And, and we've told you, you Christians need to be better than that. Here we go. We've been telling you to be more magnanimous than God. God never forgives a single sin, a single crime of yours or mine, until the cross happened. On the cross, there was a trial for all of your crimes, my crimes, and it was paid for. Before that, God didn't forgive a single thing. He never waves his holy, holy arm and says, I forgive you. Ah, you you knucklehead, that's fine. He doesn't do that. But we've been asking you to do it. Matter of fact, we've been guilting you into doing that. Well, I'm going to suggest that's not how we read the parable. In Jesus' day, let me give you a bit of a context. If there was a crime committed against you, if you were robbed, if you were treated badly, what you would do is you would take your crime to the city elders, the ruling elders, the religious elders, the priests, and the perpetrator would come to, and there'd be a trial. It would be open. There'd be, uh, you, you would have a voice. You would be able to give testimony. The perpetrator would give testimony. There would be witnesses, and a decision would be made by the, by the ruling elders, by the priest. And they would basically say, we find the perpetrator guilty, and he or she needs to pay you five goats and three gold coins and he needs to apologize to you, he needs to do reparation, and his family needs to be involved with your family because you're not alone. And then after all that's happened, the, the priest would say, it is finished. Remember that phrase? And you as the victim would go, all right, I'm supposed to treat this person now as if they were back in good graces. That takes time. They, people haven't changed. It takes time. It takes a village. It takes a community continually leaning into it. But what we've done since basically the Enlightenment, we basically told you, you need to do it by yourself. Individually, you need to choose to forgive. And if you don't, God's disappointed. We imply that. We would never say that. But no Jewish scholar, and certainly Jesus was a Jewish scholar, would say you're supposed to do it independently. It takes a tribe. It takes a village. It takes a people. It takes a church. Because wounds are deep. No Jewish scholar would say, none, would say you are supposed to forgive somebody who's not repentant. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that refreshing? I don't want to forgive somebody who's not sorry. Well, neither do you. That's how you've been made. Isn't that great? It's different from what we told you. Like I said, our bad. In the Old Testament, there's one pure word for to forgive. Only one. There's metaphors like lifting off your burden, paying the debt. But only one word, a Hebrew word, salak. And guess what? Only God does it. Only God. Abraham never did it. Moses never did it. Miriam never did it. Rebecca, nope. Mary, Joseph, nope, nope. Only God salaks. 
Now, the good news is, and we're going to get to this, is you, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in your inner being. Well, I'll read a passage from Ephesians. So you have access to the power of God to actually forgive. But you can't do it. You can't, there's no muscle group. You can't go to a health club to exercise your forgiving muscle. So stop it. It hasn't worked. Let's admit it to our shame. It hasn't worked. Look at us. How many denominations are there on the planet, Gareth? I mean, right? It must be 10 billion. Christians don't get along. We don't like each other. She looked right at him. I don't know what that... They need some counseling, if you know what I mean. We just don't get along. We've messed this up. And by the way, if we started forgiving each other, I mean, really from the heart, if it was a miracle of the Holy Spirit, guess who would be interested in this? Because they're, they're worse than us. It's a, it's a matter of the gospel, yeah? What does Jesus mean when he said we should forgive 70 times, seven times? Look, this is such good insight by Jesus. Imagine that you've been so hurt, devastated by something someone did. I mean, they really hurt you. They betrayed you. They let you down. And you go through this whole trial, the whole community, your family, the perpetrator's family, and the, and the priest says, it's finished. You have a couple of goats and a couple of gold coins. And the next time you see them, you just are enraged because you were hurt so badly. So you do it again. Same thing, two tribes, church, it's finished. Then you see them again on your cell phone. Their picture pops up, and you go, oh! And you do it again. And you do that 490 times. See, see the sensitivity of Jesus? Because he knows we've all been hurt that bad. Every one of us. We don't want to admit it because we Christians are nice. But it's true, right? I mean, you, can, you can nod to me because nobody else will see it. It's hard. This world is... This, in heaven, you'll be able to forgive. This ain't heaven. Great sensitivity by Jesus. Um, such good news. You can't forgive. You should. But you're screw-ups. Can I get an amen? Oh, my goodness. So you're saying, Bill, okay, I get this a lot. So, Bill, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're saying that God's commanding us to do something we can't do, right? That doesn't seem fair, right? It doesn't seem like a God thing. So didn't somebody command you to love your enemies? How's that going? I'm not going to ask for hands. What, uh, husbands, did you know... You probably do, because Gareth's a preacher. He goes through the whole Bible. Did you know that you're supposed to love your spouse in the same way that women are going, yeah, 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 he, they know. The same way that Christ loves the church? Husbands? Wives, how's that going? Now they're looking at each other. They need counseling, Gareth. How about this one? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount... Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah, the Bible's loaded with commands. Matter of fact, every one of them is a command that you can't do. We've got to stop thinking we can do these things. It just turns into self-righteous prigs. 
I can't do it. What are we supposed to do? Every one of the Ten Commandments we break on a regular basis in some way from our heart or actions. What we're supposed to do is run to God on our knees with humiliated hands going, Father, I did it again. I can't do this. I can't do it without you. Do you still love me? Make me know you love me because I think I'm a failure. And make me, make me love my neighbor. Now, please. And if we did that, oh my goodness. We would feel so much more loved by God. We would be so dependent. And that's where we want. Instead of thinking we can do this, if we just try harder, we'll be dependent upon God and his spirit inside of us. will do something amazing. And we'll show you how. It's really, really, really simple. So back to Matthew. Great storytelling. The original audience would have gotten it. It's a honor-shame culture. Let me explain what that is. In the Middle East, and it's true in China now, and the Middle East and Asia, the greatest thing for you is your name, your reputation, how you and your family are seen in the culture. And there were tears in the Jewish culture, and you wanted to be, you wanted a name. And, and if you fell from that, it affects your family. It affects your family for generations. You become a leper, basically. So in, in this culture, this guy, this servant, had shamed himself. You could either be shamed by other people or shamed by your... You could do it yourself. And so if this cup represents him, what he did over a period of time was he shamed himself. And this is what shame feels like. Something's wrong with me. I'm not a full cup. I don't deserve to be treated like a cup. How come I can't be a good cup? And he's probably leaky too, right? And, and he, his shame was immense. I mean, there's no way a, a person could have amassed such a, such a debt. It's a, it's, a, it's a parable. It's an outlandish parable by Jesus. This guy was toast. There's no way he can do anything. And shame people act reactionary. Uh, they, don't, they don't act reasonable. As part of our brain, we kick into fear cycles, fight, flight, freeze. So he kicks into a fight cycle. He's going to protect what little name he's got left and say something stupid. I can fix this, king. I got this. Give me a couple of days. I know a guy. A hundred billion trillion dollars. There's no way he's going to do it in, in 50 lifetimes. He can't do it. But he's, his, his, his brain is reacting. So, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and words came out of your mouth that you couldn't even believe? Don't leave me hanging. Right? And you go, I I didn't say that. Or, or, I didn't mean that. Well, yeah, really? I mean, it came out of your mouth. I saw your lips move. Right? It's reactionary. We know that from brain science. We get reactionary. So he's reacting. I got this, king. I can do this. Well, what the king could have done was give him a couple days. But you know what? It wouldn't have helped. This is a good king. It It would have just shamed him for a couple more days. He could have put him on probation. He could have docked his wages. He could have sent him to Antarctica. You know, take over the office there. And but it wouldn't have worked. That's not what this magnanimous king does. What bubbles up out of the magnanimous king is something unique. And this is our God, right? So this is the point. What bubbles up out of the king is splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. You can say it in the Hebrew by spitting. Splagnizomai. 
So everybody say it. Spock needs some eye. Now clean off the back of your head. It means compassion, yeah, pity, yeah, but it's more than that because it's God. What he does is he finds shamed cups. That's us. That's you and me. And what he does is not only just feels pity from us, oh, look at that poor slob. It's not that. He takes this person and he raises him up to honor again. It's adoption. When God found me, I was, man, I was flailing. I was flailing in my sin. I was flailing in stupid actions. I was riddled with shame. I was 21 years old. And yeah, I won't tell you. But it was a mess. And what God did is he took me where he found me and he made me his beloved son. Crazy. That's what bubbles up from God. Now, notice in the parable, he didn't require the, the servant to do anything. The servant doesn't have to promise to repay, to be better. It's not in there. He doesn't, he doesn't require the servant to be sorry. Isn't that crazy? He doesn't require him to be grateful. My three-year-old grandson would know you go back and thank the king. But not the servant, because the king, all he wanted, the thing that initiated the king's splagnizomai is a humiliated, beat-up, ground-into-the-ground servant. That's what stimulates God to honor you. Your need. My need. It's an amazing God. By the way, if you're not a Christian, after hearing that, why not? You're never going to get honored here like that, ever. Well, great storytelling by Jesus. Uh, We would expect if the cup was raised up to honor, in an honor-shame culture, you're obliged to now honor the king. It's just an obligation, social obligation. You pay it forward, you honor the king's name, you go and do likewise. It just makes sense, right? But in an honor-shame culture, it's just in the books. You have to do it. But he doesn't. He goes immediately and shames Another servant crushes him to the point of putting him in jail to be tortured. Well, to put him in jail. Shames him. Right? What's wrong with this guy? Here's what's wrong. Okay, listen to this because this is a money moment. Even though the king raised him up to honor, to sonship, to daughtership, made him, you know, paid his shame, paid his debt, paid, paid it all, restored his name and his family's name, just like he did with you. On the outside, on the inside, he's still a shamed cup. So he doesn't feel it. So he's going to be reactionary, fight, flight, freeze. He's fighting. He's going to do whatever he can do to not be shamed again. To not be treated little again, he's going to take power. You shame a shamed person, you have an angry shamed person. He's an angry shamed person and he goes and beats up somebody. He's not thinking, he's just normal human being in a, in a fear cycle. Because he's not feeling the honor that the king feels towards him. Does that make sense? This is us, this side of heaven. Simple, uncluttered gospel. I know you know this. I'm just going to put it in words for you. Jesus follower, and this is for you who know you who you are. You have the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. Listen, God has to love you. Yeah. 
the person next to you. Aren't you surprised? He has to love them. He loves them as much as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. He loves them that much. He loves you that much. No kidding. You can't mess it up. You can't add to it by going to church or tithing or, or, or paying for the entire building with one check. I mean, you could make him happy. But it wouldn't make God any more pleased with you because Jesus already purchased that. You can't fall from that because Jesus purchased that. You can't mess it up. Try. I'm counting on it. Isn't that amazing? But I don't feel that every day. I don't feel that regularly. I don't wake up, me personally, I can share with you, I don't wake up in the morning and feel loved by God. I don't. I wake up in the morning needing to be loved, needing to be honored, needing to be respected, but I'm, I'm not feeling it automatically. I'm a pastor. You would think I would, right? That would be part of a test you should take. But I don't. I have to work at it, and I'll show you how. It's very simple. We should have been telling you how to do that instead of making you feel guilty for not forgiving. And we're going we're to do that. So I need to feel loved by God, and, and so do you. And if I felt loved by God, I wouldn't need my wife to love me. Oh, sorry, I pointed to another wife. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. See, that's what happens with lights. I couldn't see, dear. I couldn't. Until I'm feeling loved by God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demand that she makes me feel good or my work make me feel good or the mirror makes me feel good. And look, hey, this body, I've got to work hard on. That's, how we're, that's, that's this side of heaven. That's how we're made. So let me give you the, the morals of the story. This is great. It's not go and be like the magnanimous king, right? I'm telling you, you, you should, but you won't. Here it is. Three morals, number one. You're not the magnanimous king. Face it. Deal with it. When you get poked, splagnizomai doesn't bubble up. Simple. Moral number one. And that's, by the way, that's why you've done such a poor job of forgiving. No judgment. It's just true. Two. At the root of your bad behavior, when people poke you and you can't forgive, you won't forgive, the anger, the rage, the defensiveness, the self-justification, the blame, all of that immediate bubbling up, at the root of it is shame. Shame. Shame says I'm not lovable. Shame says I'm not, God's so disappointed in me. I'm just a disappointment. And I'm not saying you're on a zero to ten scale, you're a zero Nobody's a 10, that's heaven. We're somewhere between 1 and 9. And we go back and forth depending on how bad we're treated. So if you're a 2, you're feeling real shame. In church, in, these, in, this, in this place, in this worship, if we can move from a 2 to a 3, that's not a 10, but that's a 50% increase that should be noticeable. And that's what we want to happen today, a transformation. So you're not the king. Your problem is shame, just like the rest of us. And three, whoo, this is good news. Shame has an enemy. Shame has a natural predator. Shame has an enemy. Something, something that's powerful enough to go into my brain and dig it out and make me feel more honored, more like a person, of, make me feel like a person who's lovable. Seppo, come give me a hand. 
right, this is the third time we've done this. The other two churches got it right. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Come on up here in the blue light. This is great. I, I wondered if this would work. Oh, yeah. Shoof. <laughs> that would be shaming. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a, a couple of skits, and I want you to vote which one. Uh, so Seppo is, is the block-headed, the bone-headed servant. Give him a big hand. Give him a big hand. Yeah, because... <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know if he could pull it off, but he does. <laughs> and I'm Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is going, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. So, um, so skit, skit one to skit two. Skit one, uh, uh, I'm going to treat him, well, you'll see. But the, the question I'm going to ask you is, which one of the two skits would make him more want to go and love somebody else? More want to go and forgive? From the heart, right? That's what Jesus said. Are you with me? All right. If you're listening to this audio, I am turning my back. Jesus is turning his back on, on this boneheaded servant, okay? Ah, I can't believe you did it again. <laughs> You know what you have to do? I've told you is in Matthew 18, if you look it up, do you even have a Bible? Matthew 18, you're supposed to forgive seven times seven. What? What is wrong with you? I, I can't even look at you. You're so embarrassing. You're just such a disappointment. Your wife, she's special, but you. <laughs> All right. So how did, how did that feel? Shameful. Unloved. All right. Skit number, skit number two, same thing, boneheaded servant Jesus. And if you're listening to this on audio, I'm not only looking at him, I'm embracing him. My son, I love you. Oh, my goodness. You're, you've gotten yourself in kind of a mess, but that's not a problem. I love you whether you forgive, whether you don't. I love you whether this works out. And you know what? They may be treating you badly, but I will never. You are a son of honor. I can't love you any more than I do that I love my own son. I made you the way I made you. I gave you the taste to wear this shirt. I don't know why. <laughs> I gave you those, uh, that eye color. I gave you the hair. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, just, I just can't wait to see you in heaven. You mm. are special. Mm. Thank you. Give him a hand. So which one of those, I'll, I'll, we'll do a, a clap vote. Skit one, if you think that would make him more willing to go and... Forgive or skit two. All right. How many people think skit one? You did, you did good here. How many say skit two? So if I kept telling you sermon after sermon after sermon to forgive 70 times seven, do you think now that you know that we're people of shame, would that make you want to go and forgive? Or would it actually cause you to feel more shame? What if I stood up here and told you, Jesus followers, God loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be, but as you are, you can't add to it, you can't take away from it. He is so proud of you as you are, all because of Jesus. Would that begin to make you want to go and love other people? Yes. See how we've messed this up? When in the parable did the, do you think that the, the boneheaded servant actually began to feel that? Was it when he was judged by the king? No. When he was judging his fellow servant? No. 
It was when the splagnusomai bubbled up and he saw it. He saw the, the king's eyes dilate because he was so proud of him as he was, because he was a servant. When the king reached down and lifted him up and put him back up to a position of, of honor. And that's the same thing for us. Uh, we're going to say a prayer right now. This is it. This is the baby steps. This is what we, we should have been teaching you all along. And I'm going to ask you to say it with me. And they're available? Are they handed out? Or Okay. If you want one, uh, get it. But it will be on the screen. This is, this, is, this is the words of my team. We've put all this together. Um, and it's not just this. We're going to be, you'll be introduced to the forgiving path, which is a, a two-hour journey. We need to give you trial. We need to give you justice. We need to give you voice before God. We need to give you a place where you can actually hear God say, well done. We'll give you all of that. You'll see that in the weeks to come. Because this won't do it because shame is deep. It's layered. This is just the first salvo, the first start. But it's a powerful one. But there's more. There'll be small group classes called Can't Forgive? question mark, And you'll be invited to go through those. You can't do it individually, we found. You can, but it's not successful. It needs to be done with people that you trust, uh, a village, a church. Churches should be really good at this. So you'll be introduced to the small group study, and I'm begging you to do it. I'm begging you. By the way, not just for you and your relationships, but for your testimony. Here we go. Money-back guarantee. If you start forgiving each other, this church will be filled because there's nothing out there. There's only shame. And if people thought we had something special, they'd at least come and watch. Do you know how it would change this place? Worship would be even more fantastic. Your prayer life would change. You would be bolder in your prayer life. There wouldn't be any more of these wimpy help me prayers. Help me, help me, help me. It would be God make me confidence, relationships would get better, not perfect, heaven's perfect, but again, if you go from a three to a four, that's really good, be different, people would want to come, all right, would you stand and say this with me, these are our words, you can change the words if you want, this is just the words of my team, we've tried to encapsulate what this parable says and how it says it, so you may not say these words, but hey, Here it is. So everybody, let's say it together. God, so how am I supposed to forgive 70 times, seven times? Right now, I don't want to. It's still not fair or right or just. What about me? My loss, my scars. I can't. I see that now. Now I get the heavenly joke. Unless I am regularly filled with the DNA of the King, your DNA, by faith, through the Holy Spirit in my inner being, I will never be able to come anywhere near forgiving the crime committed against me. Not even close. My cup does not have the capacity, and it leaks. Whatever I want to admit it or not, I am far more like the boneheaded servant than the ever-full magnanimous King. I desperately need you to make me feel the single absolute forgiveness that Jesus gained for me 2,000 years ago. Then make me want to forgive. Give me some of your... Love it. Way to go. Quick. 
Until that miracle occurs, I am simply not free. Let me pray. So God, we want this. Okay, we get it. That makes a lot of sense. We're terrible at forgiving. We've been too ashamed to even look at it or admit it. We've been too ashamed to run to you, thinking that maybe you're a disappointment to us. Uh, We're a disappointment to you. Maybe we were worried about you turning your back on us in disgust. I don't know. But God, now we want more. We want to see your eyes. We want to see your pupils dilate when you see us and be so excited. We want to feel like people of honor that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago. God, make that happen for each person here today, just a little bit, right now, today, so other people notice it, and more on Monday, and more on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, so that the kingdom is moving powerfully, miraculously, beyond what we can explain. Our our, our reputations are, are stunning, and our relationships are improved, those kind of things. Not perfect. We get this. We get it that this isn't heaven, God, but, but that we manifest Jesus in this abundant grace. Quit, God, before we go and do something stupid. In Jesus' name, amen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.